Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me, as always, DJ Mark. What's up? Also joining us this week, not Lavender Gooms, but the man He's himself. He's really with us now. Yeah. Kid Presentable is back. How you doing, buddy? Hi, fellas. Um, you know, I actually watched my first UFC card in a while with you in person. Mm-hmm. A thing we haven't done in some time. So I figured I got thoughts, but... Honestly, I'm, you guys know from the pre-show, I'm a little disappointed to be here because, you know, there's a there's a running theme on these shows about uh, pick supremacy. One of us has never held the crown. It's a very tight race this year. And I was coming here to, you know, give my uh, support and, jo- and 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 a little ribbing of all y'all, uh, you know, well, there Mike was a- for never having had it. You guys, if you blow it to Mike, Mike, the guy who's never won before, you're going to let that guy win? You know what? There was but, a, like, uh, if we had ended this on that pay-per-view, it would have ended with Mark and I tied for first and Mike in sole possession of last place. That's almost the best-case scenario, if you ask me. As I, explained, I mean, you had a number card with multiple championships on it, but you want to end picking on some guys that yeah, well, like can't even be on the undercard of the big pay-per-view. I don't know what happened, but it was like we just kind of decided, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll, we're doing that. Yeah, we haven't done this. Um, we got together and watched. I think the last time we did it, was for John Jones and Dominic Reyes in February 2020. It was the last time we all got together and watched fights on a pay-per-view. So yeah, probably. Let's, see who, let's see who doesn't fight anymore after that, because that's what happens. Who's who's your bet first? There's a uh, new photo challenge of uh, post a photo of yourself from a fan and how happy you were and how oblivious you were before everything that was about to come. <laughs> um, 2019. 20 whatever yeah pandemic stuff i don't know anymore yeah um internet is being a little choppy for me today guys we'll power through um marcus let's get into it though actually you know what stefan let's get into it let's go to you this one charles Oliveira, dustin mm-hmm. poirier for mm-hmm. a fight that went what? i think it went two and a half rounds did it make it it was in the third um it was the third yeah yeah um for a fight where an entire second round was spent with one guy just on top of another pretty goddamn exciting huh <laughs> to it but um you know i haven't seen a lot of cards lately but i think we could call that first round at least a candidate for a round of the year right oh yeah um those guys were really scrapping i think the commentators were constantly saying like don't expect this to go long right you guys were saying this isn't gonna go the distance um they, they were really hitting each other uh Oliver's hands look great he really wanted that that high plum you, you could see he was chasing that knee um Dustin, his boxing has been great for a minute now. Those left straights. Uh, he was really, he was tagging Oliver. I think he dropped him at one point. Maybe it wasn't a clean drop. It might have just been a counter with a kick there. Or it might have been a slip. Oliveira did end up on his back. He did end up a little punched up. Um, it was a hell of a round. Uh, the second round was more of the same until Oliveira started mixing in the grappling. Um, what, I was think he, what was he that? What was that roll? That's the big story yeah, in the second he got, round. He, he, he got the back, but it was incomplete, right? Yeah. He didn't have both the hooks in. He was trying to chase something. And then at some point, he grabbed the arm and was going for like a Gogo or Omoplata, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or just at least threatening it. And then what you said, Bob, is Dustin Poirier does this inexplicable roll. Um, I don't know that he had to get out because Oliver was really low on the arm. He didn't have the body whatsoever. It didn't seem like he could really threaten anything, but obviously Dustin was respecting uh, Charles's grappling game the whole night. When he went, had a chance to go with him in the ground from the knockdown, he let him back up because he didn't want to mess with it. Um, so it could have been a case of him over-respecting Charles' game, but in any case, that turned out to be very costly because, uh, yeah, Oliver uh, took the top control, and he, he pretty much finished the round there, right? Uh, in mm-hmm. substantially three and a half minutes. You guys were saying maybe it could be a 10-8 even coming out of that round. Yeah, um, that was that was so. weird. He also, I like that he was kept covering Dustin's mouth and making it difficult for him to recover down there at all, even though not a lot of action was taking place. So he looked much worse for the wear. But yeah, continue. <laughs> yeah, um, and then I, I don't totally remember the sequence in the third. It did 
result in uh but once again Oliveira took his back and this time he was really riding him mm-hmm. um and it kind of you started to feel like dustin really wasn't doing anything he was just carrying him too he wasn't putting his weight on the fence he wasn't taking it to the ground we were even saying like you got to kind of maybe just do a hail mary spike his head to the ground and hope you knock him out um but you know Oliveira he he changed the grip a couple times and he worked it and he he tapped dustin um it was pretty clean you yeah. know eventful in the first round but Oliveira for a lot. I saw a lot of people picking against him coming into this fight, you know, um, and that's no disrespect to him so much as his respect for Dustin. But I think Charles is really establishing like he that, might just be the cream of the crop. That quitter label. It's after these last couple of fights, Marcus, where like in both of them, both the victory, the title victory over Michael Chandler and the um, this one against Dustin, where in the first round of both fights, he was hurt. Like he got stunned in both of these first rounds, and he came back from both of, from in both of them. Um, really, it's hard to tag him with that quitter label anymore, wouldn't you say? Yeah, no. I mean, I think in both fights he's fighting t- top competition that easily won the rounds. I think with Chandler, that was probably even a ten eight round because he he really had him close to, to being finished there. And uh, yeah, I mean, for me, it. I mean, the fight itself was spectacular, and the tactical mistakes made in the second and ultimately succumbing to the the finish in the third doesn't take away from that but i guess did you guys uh, steph probably doesn't know this because i didn't catch it during the fight but did you do you know the controversy bobby yeah the gloves the, he, he, he grabbed his gloves that thing yeah i didn't notice it at all in the time of because it was yeah when he was going for that uma plata he was holding the inside of the glove which i didn't see at all and and referee of the year herb dean also eagle eyes didn't see it either um, I mean, and I don't think that would have changed much of the fight. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a deciding ta- factor, I don't think, in anything. No, the happened. tactical mistake was Charles was also holding on to that ankle mm-hmm. while he was doing that. He was trying to keep him in place. And then, you know, Dustin went for that role. And and that that action completely changed the course of the fight, you know, because Dustin was doing good. He was the stand up was very close, but I think he was getting a little bit of the better of the exchanges, even though Charles was starting to counter. He was doing good work to the body. But then, you know, once he got on the ground, like Dustin kind of froze up. And I mean, rightfully so. I think some people have criticized uh, Poirier for not really trying to scramble on the bottom, try to get back to standing. He really just basically put up a triangle on guard and just tried to hold Charles down, which allowed him to, like you said, Bob, put the hand over the mouth, try to, you know, disrupt the breathing, land some good elbows and just wear Dustin, you, you, you know, know in the man, third round. With that second round, sorry, but like the, he can be, him getting criticism for that. I feel a lot of those people have not watched Charles Oliveira fight. Because I feel those scrambles is where Charles Oliveira, Oliveira really like you, you put you in Fucksville. Like getting like those that's where Charles's insanely long limbs come into play. And like Dustin had a lot of I think I mean look, the second round didn't go well, obviously. But all things considered, I think he was making a tactical decision there not to get caught in some, you know, wild shit by Charles at that point. Yeah, I mean, if he would have scrambled, he could have easily given up his back and gotten choked out in the second instead of the third. But it did seem pretty clear. You know, early on in the third, Dustin does have this one combination that he goes to probably too much where he starts with a left straight and then follows up with a right hook, sometimes shifting stances in between the strikes. Charles had that scouted. And when he tried going for it in the third, which he threw really hard, he ducked right under. And then once he had that body lock, it did seem like Dustin was just kind of like mentally not there to compete. And it did remind me a lot of when he fought Habib, like the, the will just wasn't there to do another round of just getting grappled and holding on for dear life and you know what happened happened so yeah you can't take anything away from charles he did a fantastic job that first round was you know amazing um and you know a small tactical mistake is all it takes at this high level especially in this weight class with the talent level that we see to Dude, really yeah, you know change the course of the fight so i was gonna say man this weight class we were talking about it last night and i've said it many times you just pick any two guys in the top 10 at lightweight we're gonna have a fucking good time like these guys this whole weight class like you know, the best weight classes are 170 and down, and 155 is 155 and 135, I think, are probably the most the best weight classes. And 155 is probably the best, in my opinion, at least. Um mm-hmm. I think most people have one of those weight classes. You know, 45 is great too, obviously, as a 70. Um Charles is I think it's title it's because at that at that size, you know, kind of as modern MMA, all the weight classes have shifted down one, right? Mm-hmm. 
why is light heavyweight so dry is because they all got in shape and became middleweights. Mm. The middleweights all got in shape, became welterweights and downward. So this is 155. I mean, you, you guys may have made this point at some point or another, but like at 155 is where you get all the pool of athletes who have not been picked out by basketball, yeah. by football. By, you know, like all those where you get these high other level physical athletes. Well, what do the five foot five to five ten guys do? Right. Absolutely. Lightweight is kind of where they find a home. Yeah. Well, if you were 210 pounds and a great athlete, like the fuck are you going to like, come on, man, you want to get paid. Right. There's a reason when like, you know, not justifying it, but when Greg Hardy is going to join the UFC, the UFC like rolls with it because they're like, oh, my God. We got a 260-pound super athlete? Like, what the... F- and he's, you know, American? You know, that's why they... That's part of the reason we do this shit. I, I think, I, I think it shit. helps that there's, you know, our school system here in the States. Those are collegiate sports that you can start getting into early on, yeah. you know. And I think that's why you see a lot of, um, you know, Ukrainian people. Because, like, Sambo in wrestling is a lot bigger there than it is here in the States. I mean, there is wrestling, and we definitely have seen, you know, collegiate athletes from that sport transition into MMA in, in great numbers. But you know, yeah, yeah. If you're, you're if you're an athletic teenager, you kind of have your run of basketball, baseball, football, potentially you know soccer, if you will. But like these are things that not only, I mean, yeah, because you can't just be great at any sports because you're athletic. Like it takes no, you know course. perseverance and, and skill and talent. But those things are kind of easier to get into through you know the educational system. You know, absolutely. So I, it'd be cool, if, you know high schools and middle school started doing like jujitsu or submission grappling. I don't think striking like boxing will ever not, come out. Not, yeah, not in a world where we don't for, want kids getting hit in the head in football already. So yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's like the double-edged sword, right? Like here's this country. It's like, all you could say like about violence, everyone has a fucking gun mm. and you can talk about head injuries. Well, here's like football players. They're going to take 20 yards to run at each other and go in for head first. But you know, I, I definitely understand that viewpoint, but, but yeah, you guys make good points. Um, I think 55 is just that perfect mix of all those things. So it's pretty clear. Justin Gaethje's next. Um, yeah. Fucking yeah, sure. Sounds awesome, right? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, he's gonna have to do those leg kicks and you know, not let Charles grab him. You know, I think that's gonna be the key to that fight. Honestly, like this is gonna be the leg kick bonanza for Justin Gaethje. Just my yeah, two cents. I mean, it's it's compelling because we've seen in multiple Charles fights. You know, this is not a guy that is at such a high school level that he doesn't have weaknesses. He gets he gets tagged like he, he's very hittable. He does not move his head very much with a guy like Justin Gaethje. It's like, can he take those hits? Can he if Gaethje mixes up with the cab kicks and the low kicks? Is he going to be able to withstand that type of, you know, stand up barrage? I think Gaethje's takedown defense might be a little bit better. Although, like when you look at even at this fight, it's not really because Charles took him down at will. A lot of times he was getting knocked down and Dustin would have to choose to engage. And I think that's where ultimately, you know, what happened the second round, the third round he did, he, he got his back, you know, and yeah. that was, that was good on him. So I think it's a very compelling fight. Um, yeah, Charles can get through that. You know, he's, yeah, really I'm, undeniable I'm, this, at that this point. is very much the Robbie Lawler, like title raid where we're like, every one of these fights is going to be some level of peril. The way this man fights. Um, Connor said he deserves a title shot with Charles, but that's just Connor talking. Um, <laughs> okay. Steph, do you think, um, Look, as much as none of us really need to see it again, Dustin just lost his fight. Dustin likes money. This is his second title shot in two years with him. Does this give us more likely we're going to watch him and Connor fight a fourth time as his, as his next matchup? Uh, I mean, it's always there. It depends. It's, it's, it's there. You guys mentioned it too with Nate is there, right? And mm-hmm. Nate has only one left. Like, I don't know what type of luster Connor has right now. Like, I don't. His hardcores will always be his hardcores, but again, as I've kind of stayed, stepped away from the MMA scene, even the casuals are souring on Conor McGregor. They're like, you know, he, I, I said it to you guys when we were hanging out, like, his whole shtick relies on his bravado. His bravado relies on him being successful, and he hasn't been that in a while. And not only is he losing, he's getting finished. He's having a horrifically broken leg that stands out in people's eyes. It's like, He's not losing closely, right? When he's losing, it's the clear deficiencies in his game. And so... He needs a W. You know? Yeah. Get him back. He, 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 give he him somebody to beat. momentum, right? Yeah. Him getting that shoulder strike on Cerrone that one time, that reignited a lot of flames for Look, the guy. we all love Nate, but I, the Nate fight makes more sense to me than... 
the Dustin. Dustin right now is fighting at a different level than Connor. Nate's fighting once a year. Nate's kind of like Dustin is still right yeah. near the type, top of title contention. And you know, one a, thing a lot of people are saying favor. also, or people are saying they want to, if Connor is not fighting for a while, Dustin versus Nate, which has been booked two or three times and never came to be. Some combination of those three guys sounds like a good time. You know, we're in the entertaining fight, you know, fight section for them, I guess, on some level. I don't know. Sure. Dustin, I, Dustin's I, not getting I, another I shot. Gonna... So right now. <laughs> right now. But I was going to say, like, one thing going for him, he could also just be one or two fights away from being right back there because, mm-hmm. you know, one of the kind of narrative points I heard and it, it's impressive for as long tenured as both those guys have been in the UFC at both featherweight and lightweight. This is the first time they ever fought. Right. Yeah. It's not like it's not like we don't want to do three because we've seen this twice already. Right. So we've seen the inexplicable rematch has happened before. It's easy to do it like one because you could just say, oh, we don't know what that first one. That first one could have been a fluke. So you can yeah, always grab argue the glove the pretty easily. So, <laughs> yeah, there's enough controversy there. Or I, again, I, I didn't I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, honestly, I, I saw it change uh, things, but. Dustin, yeah. he could win one fight and be right back here again, right? Like it, it. He doesn't need to start doing like freak show stuff. Yeah, what's Michael Chandler? And that's what du- I call Connor now. Okay, Michael Chandler and Dustin could be a good time too. Um, again, pick two lightweights. Uh, Marcus, I mean, we probably should have led the show mm-hmm. off with this. Now that I think about this, because Juliana Pena went out there and shocked the fucking world. She was a plus six hundred underdog against a minus one thousand favorite. That gap makes me a little sad because the casinos really raked that um, in there. But she finished Amanda Nunes. Like, that's amazing. I, I can't come out here and say, like, oh, I knew it. I told you so. But I did defend when there well, was no chance. we called her an asshole. You, defend, you didn't <laughs> but, defend. But you also said there was no chance. You know, what is she going to do? How the hell does she do this? And I said, <laughs> and I, I, Bobby, go back and listen to it. Fans, go back and listen to it. I defended her. I didn't say it was likely, and I did not pick her. So I can't, you know, come out here and wave a banner. Um, because I, I was pretty surprised. But I mean, what we've known of Julia Pena is that she is very tough. Um, and I think just a lot of things lined up for her in this fight with Amanda. I think Amanda doing really well in the first round. She was out striking her. I think she dropped Julia that ultimately lent led her to be on top and, and control that second round, which also might have gassed her, you know. First round. After yeah, in the first round, sorry. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, after the fact, people kind of, you know, analyzing the fight have reminded me, you know, I, I guess Amanda Nunes had a bad spat of COVID. We've known a handful of fighters that have, and some of them haven't really seen any effect. Maybe this affected her. I think ultimately, from what I saw in the fight, just watching it the one time, you know, Juliana really started getting in the pocket and exchanging punches, which in the first round, she seemed very timid to do. She she seemed unwilling to kind of get in there and really let her hands go in the second round when she did she was able to land on amanda and amanda was able to land too and i think that's kind of that her being able to get shots back kind of led her to believe i i can i hit harder than julia does i'm gonna win this exchange at some point and as the exchanges kept going she wasn't getting she wasn't tagging pena enough to see the the effects really take effect Whereas Amanda started to slow down, and then once Pena was able to get her on the ground, the the tank was kind of empty, and she kind of just you know let it happen. Yeah, it I, I watched it again, and I was just kind of came out of it thinking like, was this poor fight IQ by the greatest female fighter ever? Where I was just like, because it was a it was a good like minute of them just swinging. It felt like, um, and then it looked like Juliana was wearing all the damage, and Amanda wasn't, but clearly she was hurt because the second. Juliana got her down and had that choke in. Amanda was done. Um, so I don't know if she got her bell rung, and that's why she didn't consider maybe I should try to shoot or something earlier on in this. But it really was almost a case of, like, Juliana wanted this more. Like, Juliana was not going to go down, it kind of felt like. She was every moment. Of, like, this was the biggest moment of her life, and this was just another fight for Amanda Nunes, huh? Like, yeah, that's what yeah. felt I like. I mean, yeah, I, I think bravado in her head i mean when you just look at what amanda's been able to do she's beaten much better strikers than julia pena she's beaten better grapplers she's beaten women that are uh, better all around and in my head i just kind of think like yeah she she because like when she fought um durandamine like when she wasn't winning on the ground she just took that fight you know she wasn't winning standing up i mean she took the fight to the ground she she she's smart enough to know like okay if I'm not doing well here, let's try something else. And that didn't really click in this fight. And, and, and again, I think it was because in these exchanges, she's landing shots and she can see Pena's wearing it. But it was just like 
at a certain point, we were both saying like, okay, she needs to take this fight to the ground. Yeah. Like, why why continue to do this? Even though maybe you think you're getting the better of it. Maybe you think eventually you're going to land that big kibosh and, and, and take her down. It's just like, this is too risky. Why not use the ultimate, you know, the nullifier, take her down, get on top, control the, the round, win that round, regroup in the corner um, for the next one. But yeah, it's just, it, that's just how it plays out. And, you know, I think some people have been saying that Pena's not, I think I saw, I think, I just saw an article of Biz being saying like this isn't the biggest upset. Amanda Nunes will win the rematch, and it's like that kind of means it's a big upset. No, like when big, you think the other person's still going to win yeah. after they lose. I mean, I think the only the only other one that that comes to mind is Matt Sarah. And in the UFC, that UFC, the biggest mm-hmm. one for me is Matt Sarah GSP. Well, no, in the second mm-hmm. fight, because I remember people thought um, Frankie beating BJ was like that because of how the first fight played out. But then we all learned, oh mm-hmm. no, he's just better than him. So mm-hmm. maybe that's it. I mean, I was going to ask you, Steph. Amanda was minus 1,000 going into this. Obviously, when you don't lose for fucking six years, you're going to get a, you know, be that kind of favorite. But if they fight again, what kind of favorite are you expecting out of Amanda Nunes? Because we agree she's the favorite, um, but how much are you thinking, really? 350. I was going to say between three, maybe around three or four. That's still, what I was thinking. Still decisively, I think people will. You know, I think it's hard if you've watched Amanda's point. It's, we all have the same takeaway, right? Something weird about that fight. Something weird about how they just stood there, right? I, I think I joked with you, Mark, is all they need to do is grab a single clinch, and we got Don Fry all over again because they're just standing there trading on each other. Like, no one's stepping out. No one's weaving. We're just both throwing hands and seeing, like, who gets the better of it. And uh, it didn't go great for Amanda. And then, yeah, when she went down, she was just so no. gas or something else because she didn't fight off that choke attempt she she really you just saw it sliding in here it goes let me readjust my hands still not fighting it still not trying to break you know the the body control at all like yeah it just kind of happened to her and it was just so weird because you you know you've seen Amanda do so much more than that um but yeah because even obviously she's totally warranted of a uh immediate rematch but if say something delays that and, you know, you said, oh, well, well if we do Valentina and Val- like Valentina's got to be foaming, she can get that second belt now because Valentina can smoke Pena too, no problem. Yeah, we already right? saw it. Like, <laughs> she did it once already. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just, it's, it's I, you know, I, I don't personally care for uh, Juliana Pena that much. You know, you, you call her an asshole, like, she's never seemed particularly likable to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, she, in, had a, she had some part. wonderful uh, quotes after this thing. Some of them, it was yeah. just like, well, she's just like, uh, I'm the real first woman mom champion because I gave birth to my child. And I'm like, even if you believe that, what, what was was that necessary? Like, you, you don't say That's that unless you're trying to hurt someone's and, feelings. And, and it's an inadvertent stray because the only person who's really been really chasing that mom champ title is Michelle Watterson, yeah. who has nothing to do with it. She's the only one who's really been pushing for it. Like, that's her whole thing, that she wants to be that. I don't think yeah. Amanda was out here yelling mom champ. Also, like, Chris Cyborg, I don't, what, where are we drawing a line here? Chris Cyborg adopted her niece and was raising her. Where are we drawing a line here, man? I'm just saying, like, also... I don't know. The well, pay-per-view literally... Changers, that doesn't count either. Yeah, the pay-per-view started with... Uh, we could love a God. We saw Amanda and Nina walking in with their child hand-in-hand. Hand. It was the cutest shit ever. Like, come on, man. Um, yeah, but uh, fuck, man. She shocked the world. Props to Juliana. Um, if nothing else, she's going to get a big paycheck. Uh, hopefully, she got a decent one on this one, and she's going to get a big one on the next one. And, you know, she's a single mom, man. So good for her. Going to help, you know, if you fight to make money. So congratulations to her. Um, the rest of these ones we can go a little faster through. What Ponzinibbio and Jeff Neal, Mark? I really thought this was going to be a lot better than it was. Like the last three minutes was fun, but up until that point, it was a lot of like just happening. Like nothing was even like relevant. That yeah, I, I mean, I think this was definitely when I was digging into the wings that Steph brought. I was not paying super close attention. I know there was constant arguing about eye pokes. Yeah, like there was constantly like stopping and like you're poking me in the eye. No, you're poking. I was confused. I mean, yeah. In the third round, they eventually did kind of get to it. It was like I think it was a pretty close fight from what I vaguely remember. Um, Jeff Neal got the W. Um, you know, it definitely seems like the highlights of Ponza Nibio's career might be behind him. You know, I, and I hate to say that because I talk often about like how we shouldn't, you know, count guys out. We don't know what's left in the tank, but I think, what is he like? He's kind of in his late thirties, right? Is he that and old? I thought so. I thought he was mid to late thirties. And he's I thought 35. Like, he's got okay, 30, 35. Yeah, maybe too bad. But yeah, I mean, it definitely seemed like at one point earlier on in his career, you know, he was definitely skyrocketing forward and, 
he had those long layoffs and now a couple, you know, lackluster performances have really, I think, kind of put the kibosh I mean, on potentially Jeff's a what good he, fighter, but I don't even Jeff yeah. looked that good in this one either. I don't think either one of them looked particularly good when yeah, this was over. It was like a tactical, not super And Jeff Jeff gave us the classic. I was waiting for someone to push me to three rounds, like, okay, man. No, it was just not good. <laughs> it's not a good yeah. fight. Um Kai Kara France, Cody Garbrandt. Or Steve France, as Cody Garbrandt was calling him for some reason incorrectly, which was <laughs> yes. weird. I mean, Steph, what is there to say except um, Cody's got no chin, and his name probably has enough value that Kai Kara France can probably build off this a little bit, huh? Still? A little bit? I mean, big, biggest win of his career. Yeah. You know, I, t- I told you, I, I know the name Kai Kara France, but I probably wouldn't have been able to pick him out of a lineup. Um, I was picking – in my head, I was picturing a guy with longer, shaggier hair. This day was not this guy. So clearly, I thought he was on us. But again, he's a recognizable name because I know he's had multiple fights. Um, but speaking of people I don't really feel fondly of, um, you know, I should credit this win to Kaya Kara France's skill. But I credit to a ca- 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 uh, karmic retribution because uh, Cody Garbrandt is forever the asshole who wanted to fight the flight attendant. You know, like and filmed it, and they, filmed it himself. Like he thought he was gonna look good. I mean, we have <laughs> a country good guy of people here. who film themselves thinking they're the hero, and uh, God bless them because that gives us all these idiots content. You know, but uh, yeah, he he seemed shot at one thirty five, um, dropping down additional weight, which is a sig- more significant percentage of your body mass mm-hmm. at this size. That didn't seem like a great plan. Like, if anything, you should go the opposite direction of the Robert Whitaker thing where you don't kill yourself with a weight cut. You do get to put on a little heavier because, yeah, they say, you know, all you can really do is dehydrate yourself at that point, And that makes you only more knockoutable. So um, it, maybe it was just a Hail Mary, right? Maybe he just thought he was too small to go up. Why not try going down? It very clearly did not work out. Um, what is he lost now? Four of Five, four, six, five, five, five six. of six. The only one he won was that one with a sunset that wasn't going particularly well. And he pulled the right hand out of his left pocket and went with an overhand that caught Rafael there. He's got to do some yeah, reevaluating, look, man. He's, he's, got, he's got power, right? Yeah. The power hasn't gone away, but what has gone away is the durability and just his general movement and speed, right? It may, maybe it was just a flash in a pan performance of his career, but Dominic, he he looked unhittable. Suddenly he was the matador, right? Yeah. And we have never quite seen that version of him ever since so yeah. uh, remember he had the back issues Mike would hear he would echo the sentiment of uh you know you just got shitty back incurable shitty back issues now you know you take painkillers and do some yoga and stretching and that's the best you can hope for but yeah. um yeah i have really no idea where this guy goes from here there's a lot of uh soul searching to be done yeah uh sean o'malley continued his if you're not gonna he says you gotta pay me to fight right uh top ranked fighters tour so they're not doing that and dana's covering the whole story up by saying oh he's not ready yet uh, they don't want to pay him um so instead he shouts to o'malley as a businessman he's young kid he's yeah. a knucklehead but he does get the business side of the yeah. thing because all i remember from this fight is that at the end he called this guy the toughest opponent of his career <laughs> and i had never heard of this man never <laughs> seen this man before but you want to build him up as the greatest challenge of your life thus far <laughs> i respect it yeah, and uh, but like Sean O'Malley's got some buzz, man, and like people were. I do liked what he said. People were complaining that this was on the main card, but not Dominic Cruz versus Pedro Munoz. And then uh, O'Malley said, "If they thought Pedro, Dominic Cruz and Pedro Munoz could sell more pay per views than me, they would be on the main card." And I'm like, "Well, kid gets it. <laughs> he understands all of this. Not even a question. Big win for him, I guess, Mark. I mean, he seems racking up W's. Getting. I mean, he did just yeah. lose a couple fights ago, right?" Well, he lost in his last fight. You know, he put it on the guy, but did not finish him. And I think that did take a little bit of well, his finished away. Remember, the guy just took the most shots ever, and then Dan no, he finished him board. late in the third or Dan something. Dan just kind of got bored and stopped it. The guy okay. was taking abuse okay. for thirteen minutes. Well, I mean, it definitely seemed like I mean, he had a aura around him that like this guy has fucking power. Like this guy puts people away. And I think in that fight where he wasn't really, I mean, the guy took his best shots, and he was there, you know, pretty much the whole way. And in this fight in the first round, it definitely seemed like, you know, maybe Sean just doesn't quite have the power that we thought he did. So I think getting the finish is important for his branding, for, you know, what he's trying to build with his career. Um, And yeah, it's kind of hard, you know, eventually, whether he gets the money he wants or not, you can't constantly fight non-ranked fighters and and have the fan base continue. I mean, look, we've talked 
at length about MVP and about like, you know, this guy's really good, but without fighting the competition, we don't really have a good measuring stick to how great he can be, you know, and, and, you know, we all love seeing crans get, cans get crushed, but at a certain point you want to see if, if someone's legit and can really make a run and see them really tested. Uh, so, you know, hopefully we get there with Sean and hopefully it is because the UFC does see value in him at that. I think that's I mean, apparent. He, that you was know? his eighth fight in the UFC, not counting the contender series. That's a lot of fights. He's seven and one with six knock, six knockouts. Mm-hmm. I'm doing the math here, right? No, five knockouts, five knockouts. He has that wonderful decision win over Andre Sukumtoth, which Stefan's a big fan of pointing out that Andre seemed to forget that my man had a messed up leg and then did nothing about it, if I remember correctly. Was that the one? Mm-hmm. He just oh, did nothing. Yeah, the dumbest fight IQ of all time. Yeah. We'll see where it go from here. Um, Josh Emmett, Dan Ige. Man, Josh Emmett got to throw more than that overhand right, Mark. Like, it works, but you got to throw more shit. Like, he got out of this one close. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he definitely he has a powerful tool there, and he needs to understand how to utilize it better. You know, you, you can't just throw it out and hope the guy's going to walk into it. You do have to set it up. You know, he has a good wrestling base. He has a lot of, of the skill sets you need to be successful, and I think some of sometimes it's gotten to – him look to look very promising but this fight wasn't particularly great you know danny gay did i think in the third round really kind of put it on um but josh had good success early on and, and was able to get uh, the josh, decision dan but... took the second for sure oh, and that that judge the judge who gave the second round to josh should not be judging fights that's right because i'm gonna give him all three yeah it was I, a little mm. when they said all three i'm like oh, i don't know <laughs> yeah a... I, I okay now they remind me like josh started doing better towards the later half but he definitely didn't win that round and we both said like when the round ended he put his arms up and <laughs> a judge not knowing better just be like he's you confident guys, i've told there you guys go. that is my rule you put your hands up it's gonna influence people um fight of the night was dominic cruz pedro munoz which was a little weird it was a fine fight uh, Dominic got hit immediately and got dropped and uh, lost the first round, but uh, lost the first round, but pretty much won everything after he got up from getting dropped. So he was able to turn mm-hmm. it into a 10-9. And then the next two rounds was just Dominic Cruz being Dominic Cruz in yeah. and out, hitting the guy, you know, hitting him good too, but Dominic just doesn't have power. We know this. Like Dominic is not a power striker. He's a volume striker. It's just, you know, Dominic's gotten a little bit older and he doesn't move as well as he used to. So he'll get caught sometimes, but his movement is still a real problem for these guys if they can't catch him. And Pedro's a good fighter, so. Yeah, I mean, it's a big win. You know, it personally, like, I wasn't super enthralled because, yeah, it it, it very much seemed like Pedro kind of got lucky in the first round, and then when he didn't take Dominic out, it was just really like he didn't well, have much a Dominic strategy fight now. Like- yeah, on how to, <laughs> how to replicate the success early in the first round. And Dominic was able to then, yeah, to just, just, basically control the fight with his with his footwork and his pace um and his strikes and he you know he did land some hard shots but it is one especially with a guy like pedro who's very tough too it's like yeah he doesn't put really out i don't know if i remember pedro i don't know put out but often. like yeah he dominic just doesn't really sit down on his punches to generate the kind of power you need to really hurt pedro um but he has fast hands and he's in it he gets in and out very quickly and very smoothly so seven yeah, good losses on him. all by decision for pedro munoz so that wasn't the guy that he was going to lose to get knocked out, to knock out, to get knocked out by sure. Dominic Cruz. Seven losses, all by decision, for Pedro Munoz. Um, Thirty-five years old, older than I thought he was too. Um, Tai Tuivasa. I don't think any of you guys saw this one really against Augusto Sakai. I got a little worried. Yeah, I got a little worried. Augusto Sakai just looked like a bigger version of Tai Tuivasa when they stood next to each other. Um, Tai knocked him out. The way Tai knocks people out, he did a shoey on top of the thing. Um, did another shoey while going to the back. He didn't spit in the shoe, so at least, you know, that's better. Um, nobody fucking spiked it with hot sauce like last time. That was disgusting. Was up. Um, he said he's won, four, he's won four straight, and they said now he might be ranked number 11, but I was just like, this is heavyweight. You win four straight. Give the man a title shot. Like, what do we – I don't care who he beat. That used to be it. Yeah, that's what's it. What do you want him to do? Um, by the way, I'm forgotten now to remember this. The person who stole Charles Oliveira's glasses off his face – while he was walking to the back. And then Charles stopped to be like, I need my fucking glasses. And then they dropped the glasses onto the floor. And then that's where the, the pay-per-view ended. Like, <laughs> it just went dark on Charles on the ground. The, the glory arena of for the his champion. Glasses. And I was like, We got to turn the camera off before the beating comes, Bobby. We can't <laughs> yeah. can't put that on film. Um, It was a good card, though, man. I mean, the pay-per-view was loaded. They have a, the UFC's got a big, good roster. Probably too many fighters. 
making us watch all this bullshit in between these fight cards, but um, Ryan Hall got away. What made it a great card was uh, we each had 10 wings from Wingstop, a couple flavors. We got those fries. Well, not the regulars. You get the extra seasoning out there. If y'all get Wingstop, get the extra seasoning on your fries. (laughs) Now turn your good sporting event into your great sporting event. Steph got the wings, and then he said, like, I like them with was extra seasoning or whatever. So like you all got it. Cause I don't want to get bamboozled with one of your guys' shitty friends. Yeah, I was like, I'm to get my <laughs> like good one. He takes the extra seasoning prize. <laughs> that was really good. That's you can't complicate shit at, you can't complicate that order at Wingstop too, man. That place could be chaotic. Just saying, depending on which one you go uh, to. Uh, one last complaint. I don't know why your Wingstop is more expensive than my Wingstop. Is your, <laughs> is your Wingstop $1.85 better than my Wingstop? Why is it more expensive guys? That's fair point. <laughs> Rent is expensive at that Wingstop. <laughs> That's what it is. Um, yeah. Um, fight of the night, Dominic Cruz, Pedro Munoz. Performance bonuses to Oliveira, Pena, Kaikara, France. Sean O'Malley, Tai Tuivasa, and we didn't talk about him, but Bruno Silva also getting a finish. Um, Eric Anders got on board. Eric Anders lost a fight in the first round. Weird. Doesn't normally work like that with that guy. Um, yeah. Um, that was it. Um, I guess we can just make our picks for the next. I don't know what news happened, really. I got Dominic Cruz. I had the whole Dominic Cruz, Daniel Cormier thing where we were we were trying to figure out if the commentators hate each other. I mean, that was pretty entertaining to me. Mostly because of the video where Daniel Cormier inter- interviews Dominic and he tells him like, Dom, you don't have to go public with your criticisms of my commentary. And then Dominic was just like, I'm just, I'm just giving, it's accountability. I'm just, you know, doing that. Like, and like Dominic didn't seem to understand, like on the record versus off the record. Yeah, he's he's like, just like, sometimes we talk in private. We don't have to say publicly. He's like, I never said anything privately that I wouldn't want you to say publicly. And he's like, okay, well, maybe you didn't, but maybe I did. So, <laughs> yeah, the whole video is actually pretty entertaining. You learn that Dominic seems to lack basic social skills, but at the same time, you don't believe a word of DC saying he watches film either. So, <laughs> and then Michael Bisping showing up in the middle just to sit between them and laugh. Really a highlight for me. Um, and I learned that, uh, Bisping's got 300 subscribers, 300,000 subscribers on YouTube. So good for Bisping. DC's only got like 120,000. So, um, so Mike's not here and we ended this fight, this fight card with Mark and I with the same record and Mike is one card back, one fight back. We probably should have ended on this pay-per-view, but we're going to pick a few fights on this card. That's this weekend. And, um, we're not looking at Mike's picks until we've made our picks just to be fair. Um, so yeah, let's just knock these out real quickly. Um, trying to look at Mike's picks right now. I don't remember the account password anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Derek Lewis, Chris Dacos, um, big meaty men slapping meat at heavyweight here. Um, Chris is the favorite in this fight with his 11 and one overall record. He is, uh, minus 140 to Derek's plus 120. Derek coming off of that pretty one-sided ass whooping at the hand of Cyril Gaunt in, while in Houston. Kind of embarrassing um, for him. Um, Marcus, how are we decide? You want to make your pick first? You want to make my pick first? How do you want to do this, buddy? I'll make my pick first. I'm going to I'm gonna make it interesting because I really don't care if I win this stupid championship. I already got two under the belt. Uh, I'm going to go with Chris. It's not a good pick. <laughs> I mean, he might be the favorite. He He's got a lot a of four, knockouts, buddy. <laughs> yeah, he's on a four-fight win streak. Um, but really, it's just like... You know, some of these guys are somewhat I'm somewhat familiar with um, Aleskik Onik, um, who's a common opponent. And I think um, Chris beat him quicker. Um, I just want to make it exciting. I, I think I think the, the easy pick would be Derek Lewis. We're much more familiar with him. He's an underdog. Yeah. And, but, but fighting a striker, you know, he's done fairly well. I mean, if you look at even if you say, like, oh, he's coming off a loss. I mean, he lost to Cyril Gaon, who could easily be the champion, you know, coming in, in another couple months or so. So I don't really put a lot of stock there. But, you know, I want to make it interesting. Okay. Um, potentially give Mike a chance to get back in here, too, because I'd imagine he's taking Derek. But uh, this could also seal my fate as a champion. And that's kind of what I did last on this last card. I took some risky picks and uh, made up some ground. Yeah, so I'm going to go with this Chris character and let's see what, what happens there. And our tiebreaker is when this fight ends. What do you got? Uh, I'll go. I'll go. See, if Chris is going to probably win, it'll probably in the later rounds. In the later rounds, I mean third round. <laughs> okay, we'll pick a time. So we're going to try who's closest. Okay. Uh, Write this down because you're about to put on the on the thing too. 
Okay. Oh boy. Okay. Well, I don't even need to tell you. Maybe, maybe you listener have to go to the website to see what time I pick. I'll do three minutes and forty-eight seconds. Three minutes forty seconds. That's it's into it. Round three. Yep. So that means with a minute and twelve left. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, I got Derek Lewis. Um, I got him uh, three minutes into the second round. This is where Mike's going to win picking Derek Lewis like a fucking minute into the fight. Um, Bilal Muhammad I think it's won- fair that you chose the finish as a tiebreaker. I was going to come in and I was going to say your tiebreaker should be uh, whoever gets closest to Spider-Man's weekend box office number. Oh, that's well, going to do well. Stefan, if you remember... Earlier on this year, we did have a if Jake Paul beats Ben Askren, we get ten. And I picked I picked uh, Jake Paul to win. <laughs> I should be nine ahead of everybody. Right, so. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm right. By, on by the way, I realized we could have picked that. You won this walking away if we properly honored the Jake Paul. <laughs> you know what we could have done? I realized that just earlier on. I'm like, we could have picked that fight. That's this weekend too. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> Damn Woodley. But anyway, um, you'll pick but, it. Mike won't pick it. I'll pick it. Picking Jake Paul, baby. Uh, Bilal Muhammad and Wonderboy Thompson. Um, Wonderboy, last time we saw him fight, um, he was, I think he lost, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, lost to Gilbert Burns back at UFC 264. Bilal um, lost, oh, no, I thought he, I thought I didn't know he came back from that Edwards fight. Beat Damian Maya back at UFC 263. Um, I got Wonderboy. He's a minus 250 favorite. I got Wonderboy. Mark, what do you got? Yeah, I'm the same. I'm not going to make this one interesting. Um, yeah, I just think Wonderboy's a, a better fighter. He's fought in better competition, and even his last loss against Gilbert Burns, I think Burns is you know one of the division's best, so I'm not taking too much credit off that. And uh, Angela Hill's fighting somebody that's minus 400 favorite against her. We should. I feel we should just point that out. We're not picking the fight, but uh, Angela Hill's in for an ass-kicking at the hands of Amanda Lemos, according to the odds makers, this weekend. Um, not going to be a great night for her, allegedly. Uh, last one we're picking. Um, a fight between two guys where you're surprised they're still in the UFC. Cub Swanson, uh, Darren Elkins. Um, Cub Swanson uh, coming off of a buh, 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 loss against Giga Chikadze. No shame in that, but lost in 63 seconds. Maybe some shame in that. Uh, Darren Elkins, last time we saw him, uh, he's on a two-fight win streak, beat a guy named Derek Minner. Back in July, got himself a performance bonus. Um, plus minus two hundred for Cub Swanson, plus one seventy. Darren Elkins, owner of the worst tattoo in MMA, probably, and that's saying something. Mark, who do you got? Yeah, it's kind of a tough one. Um, they're both not in like super great spots of their career. Um, I'm gonna go with Elkins. I don't feel good about it, but again, like you know, we're, we're making some risky plays here. It worked out last week. We'll see if it works out this week. I, I got a I got I got Cubby Swanson there. I got him getting it done here. Um, well, this is if you ever if we ever have a you just have a lull in programming and you want to go back to making brackets that we just argue for the the shit of it. Uh, ugliest MMA uh, tattoos. That's a good bracket. You know what? We got no Elkins card. For- Maybe a one seed, but you know who's a clear one seed? Fat melting Johnny Cash. Thank you. Forget fat melted Johnny. It's Cash. an old one. That was the new fans. You know what, man? Know. We got uh, we got four weeks till the next UFC card stuff on, so we might have to do that. Um, yeah, that's it. Let me see if I can look at Mike's picks. Um, so, Marcus, if you don't mind putting these in, but I saw Mike took Mike took Dalkus. Okay, Mike took Dalkus, and he took him by decision. Okay. He took Bilal. That's where Mike's going for it. Here it seems like Bilal. Okay. And then he took Cub Swanson. So I can't wrap my head around what their different results get us. But at the end of this, we'll have a champion some way or another with the tiebreaker. One way or another. Or there'll be some tie that we didn't foresee. Well, yeah, I, we, gonna have, be, we have the tiebreaker. The tiebreaker so. Mike be, wins, he'll be tied with Mark to win. He'll have to share it even if he gets it. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> we should have just... That should have been it. Mike sold possession of last place. Me and Mark holding no. the trophy together. Hey, <laughs> it would not be right you, to have a card left. Why don't you just add the, the Jake no. Paul fight? With the ten point modifier to make it clean. <laughs> That's true. You know what? As long as we, if we do that, I want this one to count too, and I want Frank Gore and Darren Williams. That'd be a ten point modifier too. Well, I can't pick against Frank, and he's gonna lose. <laughs> he's gonna lose bad stuff. <laughs> it's gonna be horrible. Um, let's just do stuff we like. Um, Steph, you haven't done this in a while. What do you got, buddy? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, <laughs> you recap the last 
three months or so of stuff. Whatever like. you're into. I mean, you can uh, talk about Hawkeye if you don't think you're going to be gone. We have all yeah, watched the same I mean, amount of yeah, Hawkeye. I just, I'll, I'll keep it semi-current because um, it's just been a lot, and there's a lot to come. Uh, this Friday, it's just so much stuff. Uh, caught up on Hawkeye. I think it's great. Um, I've talked to both of you about it on the side. Uh, it's top three of these Marvel TV shows with uh, room to go to two for me. Um, Loki, I, I put hands and above above them. Uh, I loved WandaVision quite a bit. I just think they fumbled the end a bit. There are some things that the ending was a little messy, a little stuff that annoyed me. So if Hawkeye can be consistent throughout, uh, and it, it looks like they are. Uh, have you guys talked about it before? Are we in spoiler mode territory? Well, I, Where are we? At? I mean, we we can fucking do it. It's fine. I mean, all I talked oh, about after the first. It's not even a spoiler. It's speculative, but I feel like it's an edu- educated speculation. It seems like this goddamn show is teasing the f out of Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin, and. The best thing from those Netflix Marvel shows was Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin. People talk about the Marvel villain problem. Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin was S tier, right? Like yeah. he was fantastic. So oddly enough, gonna... the Netflix shows did a good job with that. <laughs> as bad as some of their shows were, they had some good villains in those shows. Actually, yeah. just the pacing, oh. the length, and all that. But so uh, I'm enjoying Hawkeye. Um, I've really uh, recent watch. I love the F out of Arcane. Um, I can't recommend it enough. I think Mark uh, and Christine just started it. Um, as someone who does really appreciate the animation medium, uh, the way I pitch it is I think it's the most revolutionary. It's the biggest step forward in animation since Into the Spider-Verse. Like, Wait, what's Arcane? Into the Spider-Verse? Huh? What's Arcane? Arcane. So this is where the hard sell is, and this is why people just don't care to check it out. It is an animated series on Netflix, um, but it is basically my understanding is it deviates from the hard lore, but it is inspired by think of it as a alternate universe within the comic landscape, right? Similar characters, but maybe the storyline beats very little bit. But it's basically a spinoff story of League of Legends, a very old MOBA game that, Bobby, you have certainly never played in your life and certainly have no interest in ever playing in your life. Well, I, well, I've, I've watched this. This is I've seen people play it on Up, Up, Down, Down. I know what we're talking about here. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> both very popular and also the butt of a billion jokes in the gaming community for what it is. So it's 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 gonna it's the biggest obstacle to why people would want to give it a chance, right? It's it's this game they have no nothing about, have no interest in. But honestly, the show really serves as a as a as a launching point unto itself. You really don't need to know anything about League of Legends. You don't you don't have to know a damn thing. They, they tell you who you need to care about. The story is incredibly well written. The characters are very well fleshed out. So if you're just interested in a fantasy meets steampunk sci-fi tech magic, you know, like world, you know, you're you're in for a good ride, I think. So um, I think Mark will probably chat about it since he's just started. But that, mm-hmm. that's been one of my big recommends from things I've watched. Uh, coming up this week, it's going to be a hell of a weekend. We have the new Spider-Man coming out. We got Witcher season two coming out. Mm-hmm. Like we got, we got Jake Paul, the the boxing uh, lord and savior, you know, coming out with another win. Like it's it's uh there's there's a lot of things to do this weekend. You got Christmas coming up, of course. So I uh, got to keep that shopping going. Um, big thing for me this past week, uh, I, I I made it out of a bloodbath uh, that was Ticketmaster. My my buddy over here, Bobby. Helped me out. Had no idea what he was buying tickets for, but about half an hour into it, he te- he messages me, "Man, I'm invested. I don't even know who these people are, but I'm pissed <laughs> off." Like uh, Ticketmaster is, is just the worst thing in the world. But um, my favorite K-pop group, Twice. You've heard me mention them. Um, they're going on a world tour, uh, first tour of any kind since uh, the pandemic launched. So I got floor tickets to see them in Oakland. I celebrated. I got a finger tattoo. Twice logo. Mike would have known what it was if he was on, but Mm -hmm. um, super excited to see that. And it's coming off of me. I just got back from L.A. and seeing BTS at SoFi Stadium for their little four show stint. Um, Concerts are back. I've missed them. Uh, Churches is playing uh, Bill Graham Civic Center on uh, Thursday for $50. I'm highly, highly tempted to go because it's $50 and nothing I spend money on is $50 anymore. But um, I'm enjoying music, enjoying things to watch. Uh, trying to stay safe out there, but um, yeah, right on. Good um, and since you mentioned it before, we go to Mark. I'll because I'll, I'll go last here. Ultimately, I I'm revising my Hawkeye comment because I said after the first episode I did not really enjoy Kate Bishop's character. Not a lot of that has changed necessarily, 
But I really like the show. I think I'm agreeing with you. It's top two, three for me. With number one being Loki and number two is either this or WandaVision so far. Yeah, so. I think whether you personally like her or not, uh, I've mentioned I don't really I don't really like Haley Steinfeld, the actress. Um, so embracing her character, it gets tough for me. But whether, however I feel about that, I can't deny that her character's chemistry with Jeremy Renner's, you know, Clint Barton, it's fantastic. Like, when, right. it doesn't matter if you like, because a lot of people don't like Clint Barton, but a lot of people are liking how this show is going. They're, they're liking the chemistry. They're 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 starting to like Clint, warm up to Clint Barton, right? So there's a lot of people. I, I think this is probably one of the least anticipated of the Marvel and uh, these shows, if uh, based on like the general pulse and people I've talked to. But from the reception I've seen, it, it seems to be have been pretty warmly received. So I think that's a testament to everyone involved on it. Marcus, uh, what do you got this week? Uh, yeah, not a whole lot. Um, I will piggyback off what uh, Steph said. I, I've heard about Arcane for a while. Um, and seeing trailers of it, I definitely could attest to just visually how stunning it, it is. Um, you know, I, I remember I learned about League of Legends when I was interning at Destructoid. And they were having some big event. I think they just hit like a million concurrent players. And I never heard about the game. So I looked it up and I was like, okay, this is like a Dota a MOBA kind of knockoff, um, which was interesting because Dota 2 was coming around at that time. And, you know, I've kind of kept a finger on it and seen just how big it is. They have a big esports um, event every year. I think it's just called like the World Series or the World Championships or something. That's like a big event or something. Um, but yeah, I hadn't really been super interested in the lore of um, the video game or even knew if they had much of anything because there's not really much story in these MOBA games it's really like oh you pick your hero and they have these abilities and you're fighting these guys and and that's that uh but I had known that Riot Games has been kind of making leaps into other genres of games to kind of get people more interested in the you know the, the, the franchise or the characters or whatever they recently came out with a JRPG they showed a fighting game that a lot of people in the fighting game community community are very excited about they also showed a Metroidvania game uh, and I saw the stuff before watching the show, and now me and Christine have watched four of the nine episodes, and I've really been enjoying it. You know, everything Stefan said is absolutely true. I think if nothing else, it is easy to sell it on its just visual style. If you watch a trailer, you'll be like, oh, this is visually a very interesting show, and then, you know, from that hook, um, the rest of the show can carry itself. You know, the characters, the voice acting, the performances, the art direction, cinematography, all that stuff is really on point. Um, and I liked what they've done chronologically with the storytelling. Um, I don't want to spoil anything. Steph kind of told me like, Oh, this is what they do in these little, like little mini arcs. I was like, Oh, I, I like when shows do that. And finally getting to a point where I see some of that happening. I was like, that's really cool. I, I like that. I like what they're doing there. Um, and it has made me more interested in the video games that aren't, or, or, or of genres that I'm more interested to, you know, dip my toes in. So I think that was a really good pivot. It was really smart. I mean, Riot Games, the developer, is financially extremely well off. Um, and I think this is a good utilization of their money and talent. Um, I have to say, though, I can't not say it. I mean, especially with what's going on with Blizzard and Activision, Riot Games was one of the first developers that kind of got hit with, like, their frat-like mentalities you know sexualization in the office and and stuff like that and i don't know hopefully that stuff has been has turned around a little bit because they were one of the first ones i heard about that was like this shit's going on with the developer and it's kind of fucked up and honestly at that point i was like well i don't care i mean i care that there's injustice injustice going on but i don't care because i'm not personally vested in that game so you know to see them make this pivot i think is smart from a business standpoint to get people interested in their products um but i can't i'll always remember that so there's a little caveat there um other than that i have started playing a new game i mentioned last week uh this indie game called heavenly bodies was coming out it's kind of a weird spinoff of this indie game that came out for switch and pc like a year ago called heave ho where you're basically using the analog sticks to control two arms and you're grabbing onto things and kind of swinging around. It's a fun party game and heavenly bodies kind of takes that, but then puts more of a realistic spin on it. And now you're in space. So you're moving your arms around to grab things and kind of propel yourself and do these activities. Um, and me and Christine played the first mission, which took us about 30 minutes, which is probably maybe longer than it should take, but it is just kind of grappling with the controls and kind of figuring out how to move 
in uh, zero gravity when you can just kind of fling yourself. And it's one of those games that I think is very streamer friendly. It's It, it would be a very fun party game. I, I kind of wish it had four players, even though that would make it super chaotic because there's just not a lot of space to kind of navigate. You're kind of running into each other. But me and Christine didn't put a ton of time into it, but I really had a fun time playing it. So I, I really recommend if you like those kind of physics puzzle games where, you know, kind of half the fun is struggling with the controls and just figuring out how to navigate a space and, and, and complete these tasks. Um, it's really interesting. If nothing else, you know, check out if you have a streamer that you like watching, see if they played it. Um, Cause I think those videos would be very fun, but uh, yeah, that's all I got this week. Can I chime in Mark? Cause you mentioned it. I didn't know mm-hmm. about that JRPG until you just mm-hmm. mentioned it. And so I looked it up. It's got pretty good reviews. Yeah. The guys that made it, um, it's their developer, their devs called, I think it's Airship Syndicate, and they made um, a JRPG off of the Battle Chasers uh, comic, which was like kind of this really popular flash in the pan in the 90s. Um, if, if you look up Battle Chasers, you'll probably just recognize some of the characters. Um, I think it, it was only like a six issue arc. Um, but yeah, the guy who did the art for it made this studio. So when I saw this JRPG, I was like, this looks just like the battle crashers game. I was like, who did those that air airship syndicate make this? And they did And battle crashers was a really fun turn-based JRPG. Um, so I expect that's more of the same. So I've been intrigued to, to test that it's, game it's out. $30. It's not a, you know, a hefty yeah. thing. It's also on all the things it's on yes. switch. And that, yeah. I, th- I think that's interesting, though. I will say some of the n- more negative reviews I'm seeing are the Switch based reviews, and yeah. that's not surprising either, just because it doesn't have the horsepower. It's not the most optimized platform for games. Mm-hmm. So I was maybe just going to buy it on Steam, right? Because people that can always catch things on PC. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm definitely interested in checking out Meta. Metacritic has it as an 83. So. Yeah, um strong yeah our and and one of the reviews it spoke to me immediately it was like i watched arcane i didn't know shit about league and i'm so i'm glad to be able to play a story-based game because i don't want to play league <laughs> like exactly that, that's yeah, pretty much where i am yeah. yeah um i will say uh wag of the finger to this one guy on steam because uh he's giving it a big old negative review thumbs down do not buy 71 hours played my dude uh, you hate the game so much. Why are you playing for seventy-one hours? I think you had a good old time for thirty dollars. Gave it a good shot. He even hour sixty-nine. He's like, they could still turn it around for me. I got to see what happens. He's like, nope, <laughs> it sucked. <laughs> yeah, those reviews are always. He weird. wanted to give it an informed review. <laughs> he's like, extremely. I to give a very thorough review. Um, all right. So yeah, I'm all caught up on Hawkeye. I was watching that. Um, I started playing. Ghost of Tsushima, which I'm about a year and a half late, I think, at least. You guys tell me. Um, I mean, you made it for the director's cut with the PS5 upgrade, Bob, so you're right on time. Yeah, I mean, I, I, by the way, uh, I don't know how it looked on the PS4, but holy shit, this game looks beautiful on the PS5. The cutscenes just look like I'm watching a goddamn goddamn movie at this point. Um, Game's awesome. It's really fun. I bought it on uh, Black Friday. I hadn't got a chance to play it yet. Played for a couple hours on Sunday. Nice lazy day while we got a torrential downpour out here in the Bay Area, which is still going right now. Not a fun drive home. Um, Game is awesome. Um, It's very much, I don't know, maybe because I played Spider-Man recently. It reminds me of the Spider-Man game, just the the way you like have your different gear and you get it in like you have to level all your different things up and you learn more skills and i'm sure it's very common in a lot of games to do it like this but i have spider-man in my head because i've been playing it fairly recently it's Mm -hmm. awesome i really like it Uh, i know they're making a movie apparently so i look forward to that being a disaster because that's what are we batting about a 98 percent percent chance with these video game movies being bad um maybe a tv show seems like a better idea this game seems long just putting that out there um been playing NBA 2K22. I'm just not good at video games anymore, guys. Like at all. Um, I got. I was talking to a CTO of the company Mark and I work for, and I mentioned how bad I am at games, and he's like, "Well, if you don't play online, what's the measuring stick?" I'm like, "Can you really say you're bad? Like, what what's the measuring stick of being bad?" I'm like, "Losing by 20 to the Oklahoma City Thunder. That is the measuring stick of being bad." Um, had to lower that difficulty. Um, but yeah, if you have to lower the difficulty, it, it is a blow to the ego. It, worse are when games program it in where they'll ask you after you fail a number of times, like <laughs> you want to tone it down. Uh, we're watching you struggle. Are you sure well, you don't want to make it a little easier? I've been playing NBA 2K, so when I started Ghost of Tsushima, they're like, "What difficulty?" And I'm just like, 
Fuck it, easy. Let's just have a good time here. Let me not ruin this for myself off the jump and get, get stabbed immediately. Um, See, I also find it condescending on those games, Bob, because sometimes they'll like give you a little blurb about what each difficulty means. Uh, easy. I'm just here for the story. Yeah. I don't want any type of challenge or combat. Like, I'm just here let for me the tell you, Some of these are tough, too, and I'm like, I don't know. This is more than the story for me. That guy almost got me. <laughs> um, I, uh, But yeah, I've been playing that. Um... Spider-Man, I might have to wait till next week on that one, but uh, I'm excited to see it, and of course it was impossible to avoid all leaks before, you know, for months of stuff, but still very excited for Spider-Man. Um, I mean, come on, the Princess of Oakland stars in these movies. We gotta support, you know, just saying. By the way, Jeremy Renner, Niner fan from Modesto, I'm on board with Clint, buddy. I've been on board with Clint for a long time. He's our guy. I went to the opening game at Levi Stadium, and the video was shown. It was him talking. This was peak Avengers, too. He was doing this, right? And I'm like, fuck yeah. And then we started losing, and then they played the video game uh, the video game again at halftime. And I'm like, yeah, fuck you, Hawkeye. <laughs> We're losing. I don't need this in my life. Um, yeah. Um, other thing I'd recommend, and this is very specific to wrestling fans, uh, about a year and a little bit more than a, a little bit less than a year ago, we lost Brody Lee, uh, aka Luke Harper, um, John Huber, his government name. Uh, lost, he died on December 26th, apparently. And his wife, um, Amanda Huber, wrote a Players Tribune story just about pretty much their whole relationship. And, um, yeah, I got really emotional reading it, of course, because, I mean, some of the stuff were like her, like, her son, they have two sons, the one that's old enough to recognize what was going on, Brody, little Brody saying, mom, is dad going to die? And he, she didn't want to answer him. And she said, go to bed. It's like, no, is he going to die? Go to bed. You know, that whole part. And then how the day they wanted to tell him that his, their, his dad was going to die, that he at, that she called um, Big E, the current WWE champion, and uh, called Cody Rhodes. They called him, on, called him on Christmas Eve and said, do you mind driving to Jacksonville? To be there when I tell when you know when she told Brody that his dad was gonna die. And then the next day on Christmas, Brody both Big E and Cody drove from Atlanta and Tampa, respectively, to be there for them. And as sad as I mean, that was incredible to read and you know, as emotional as it was, it was just I don't know, part of me was just like, man, it's nice that the guy had friends like that. You know, you hear such bad things about this about that business too, you know, back in the day and all the horrible stories. It's nice that, you know, I don't know if it's like that everywhere, but I mean, you get the impression the more you hear about the current group of wrestlers that there's more of a, it's, it's really more of a family's kind of a cliche thing, but it does seem like there's more of a, a brotherhood, you know? I know um, CM Punk famously said he did, he thought the concept of the boys was not true, that they don't really have their back, but he has said recently, you know, the the John Huber stuff really made him think otherwise, so... If you're into it and, you know, you want to hear about it, it's, you know, it's an emotional read, but she, she's a good writer and, you know, it's nice to hear some stories about Brody, you know, a year since his death. And that's on the Players Tribune. Um, but that's really it. Um, I want to see Spider-Man, hopefully this weekend, if not next weekend. Um, and, uh, yeah, this is the last UFC card of the year. Um, hopefully it's a good one. And hopefully Tyron Woodley if for no other reason that he's 40 years old, gets that $500,000 knockout bonus. But even if he doesn't, he probably gets a pretty good paycheck here either way. So enjoy your weekend, Tyron. Frank Gore, please don't get knocked out. Um, you guys got anything else? <laughs> That's all I got. Really, uh, I was. I, I should mention uh, Noya yeah, Inoue is fighting while you guys are listening. It probably actually already happened because I think it's in Japan. Um, I mean, I don't know. Well, if that, actually, is it happening... Tuesday in Japan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tuesday so night. If it's Tuesday night in Japan. Yeah, it's like it's like Tuesday morning. I think I saw this morning. Like the main event should happen at like seven a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So, I mean, he's not fighting anyone credible. It should just be. It, it, it's a. It's a can to crush. <laughs> so he Isn't he, didn't he just beat it? Wasn't didn't he just beat a real guy though? Aren't we time for? Wasn't he going to get a real guy this time again? Uh, yeah, I mean, they wanted him to fight uh, Nanir. I can't remember his name. Nani is. He's like Nanito. Yeah, who Daniel, I think he just fought and won. Um, but the Filipino yeah, I mean, cat, Danito Donaire, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, th they fought in 2019 on my birthday, and that was 
one of the best boxing matches I've ever seen. But yeah, this, this is just like a tune-up fight. This is just to get him practice. So, I mean, hopefully he's successful because if he's not, that's going to be quite a downturn. But um, yeah, I'm always excited to see that guy fight. I, I'm hoping it's going to be on ESPN. It seems like I thought that's what I heard earlier, but now it seems unsure. But And we pay for plus. Maybe it's on plus. Oh, least, yeah, that's you what know? I'm hoping. But yeah, I want to put up. Also, your boy Eddie Alvarez is fighting this weekend, Mark. Hopefully he wins. <laughs> when they go to when they go to one, it's just out of sight, out of mind. That's just it doesn't really exist. is. Yeah, it's, the time difference is somehow worse. <laughs> I don't know how well, they I mean, did yeah. this. We we chatted about that a little uh, when we were hanging out, right? I think you're saying really all they're hoping for is it's just not a catastrophe of an event. Like yeah, it's just it's not as bad as it possibly can be again. Oh, when they were on TNT and just literally everything went wrong in about twelve minutes, and I'm like, wow. Well, <laughs> maybe you try again next year. Yeah. Um, all right, guys. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Glad to have Steph back for this show. Yeah. Maybe we'll, t- maybe we'll talk him into joining us a few more times here, um, especially if there's no MMA to talk about. we got to do brackets and shit. Let me tell you, it's, we've got a month of that probably. Um, Best but, uh, League of Legends champion. Uh, we'll be back next week. We're going to see if Mike has got that championship or Mark defends his title or I get it back. and It'll be fun. Um See if Derek Lewis or Chris Dakaus is the the meatiest of men who gave out of this thing, you know, winning. Mm. Uh, see if Wonderboy Thompson gets that W or Bilal Muhammad. That'd be huge for him. Be a big win for him. Yeah, um, we'll see what happens. We'll see if Tarnal Woodley got paid. Until then, I was Dr. Law. That was Kid Presentable. That was DJ Mark. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you all next week. Peace out. See you. Cheers.